listening to First Church Charlotte. Now, some of you are too young to remember this, but when I was younger, we had CDs. Uh, nowadays, everything's digital, but it would get stuck, and it would, it would just repeat that one praise, praise, praise. In my case, it's code language to the center booth, like, please turn my microphone on before I call down fire from heaven. <laughs> Tell you what, our, our uh, uh, dream team that makes our services possible, they do a tremendous job. Let's give all of them a, a little bit of thank you right now. You guys do a tremendous job. All of you joining us online right now, thank you for that. Uh, wherever you are, turn it into a house of worship. Wherever you are, you say amen right to your phone. Because if you had come to church, I would make you say amen. So you have to imagine somebody is there making you say amen. See like this. Can all the church say amen? Y'all see how I made them do that? You need to do that. And if you're like in an airport and you have your earphones in, then say amen so that all those sinners around you can hear it. That's, that's the plan for that right there. Praise the Lord, everybody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into. I wish someone had quoted with me. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now give God some praise in this house. We bless your name, O oh God. Quick announcements. Uh, my wife and I are gone this month traveling. Uh, we are taking a 25th anniversary that we were supposed to take three years ago, but uh, COVID and various other dramatical interludes. So three years later, this is the longest uh, vacation that has ever been paid for, but not taken. <laughs> And so we're, we're going to do that. However, I have arranged some tremendous cooks for you uh, to cook. Speaking of cooking, uh, hand me this cookie right here, my brother. This, uh, if you, uh, everybody in the house, we have a dessert for you when you go out the front. They have all different kinds, all different tastes. I got the cinnamon cookie with icing on top. Yes, Lord, my God, let it be. And I got it early. The reason why? Because you suckers won't save me one. That's why I got it early. You won't do it. So um, have some diabetes on us uh, before you, as, as you, as you leave. We love you, and uh, we want to make sure you either get Jesus or diabetes. That's how, that's how it works. So um, that's terrible. I know. I'm sorry, but it was funny, and I'm doing my best to break this crowd here today. So it's a tough crowd, and I'm not even pretty. My wife was pretty, and it's still tough. All righty. So um, let's see. Uh, the 15th of May. Pastor John Moran will be here preaching for us. Tremendous preacher, tremendous pastor, communicator. He'll be here the following Sunday, the 22nd of May. My older brother, David Elms, uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, will be here with his lovely wife. She's coming, number one, so he stays sprayed through. And number two, we're going to try to get her to sing. Uh, one way or another, I will, I've been known to make threats. And so uh, that's going to happen the 22nd. Now, the Wednesday nights, the 18th and the, uh, excuse me, the 11th and the 18th will be not the interactive style of Bible study, but it will be the format where I talk and I teach, uh, and you won't, you'll be watching it uh, as it's streamed live, but it won't be interactive in the manner of, of most of our Wednesday nights now. However, I'm talking about those two Wednesday nights, I'm talking about the Apostles' Doctrine, and so please make sure that uh, you are a part of that. If you sign up for the Connect card, we will send you a text at 7 p.m. when it starts, and all you have to do is follow the link. You just click the link, you're automatically there. It's not difficult, it's not complicated at all. We want to grow in our faith together and let some church folks say amen. amen. All right, my title, No Fear Future. A no fear future. We have been in Psalms 23, and the scripture we're emphasizing today is verse number 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
I want to read it again. It's on the screens. Say it out loud, speaking with authority. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, I'll explain the title here perhaps in a moment. Maybe I won't. I cannot predict what I will or will not do, uh, but I'm going to make an attempt to. Uh, I, a few years back, uh, became, for whatever reason, I, I, I kind of became obsessed with how Jesus actually led people, how, uh, not how we say he led people, <laughs> not how we think he led people, but uh, we're given uh, four accounts, and we call them the Gospels, and you actually can see Jesus not theorizing, but actually leading people. And if you go through those Gospels, you're able to actually look at how he led people. Uh, it's not just one group of people. There's various groups that he led at various levels. It starts with the 5,000 that came to receive. That represents a group, and it goes all the way to the disciple Jesus loved, the apostle John. And between the 5,000 and the 500 and the 120 and the 70 and the 12 and the 3 and the 1, there's seven levels of discipleship. Now, out of this uh, somewhat obsession uh, of what, how did Jesus actually lead, um, I tried to apply it in my life. The, the result of that is I ended up uh, writing a, a book about it, and um, it was one of the most productive times in my life of intentional study uh, because of that, that focus and that interest. In this past, here, the last few weeks, I've been thinking a lot about uh, how Jesus actually taught people. Um, I Hopefully, I won't turn this into a book because it's a lot of work between <laughs> the idea and publishing a book. Uh, hopefully, it's just a time of growth in my spiritual, my spiritual journey. If it turns into more than that, y'all can just pray for me that my wife will stay saved while I uh, nerd out for a while. But uh, I, I am often uh, find myself making a confession to the Lord as I get ready for Sunday. I, I find myself, uh, particularly as I've gotten older, um, which I'm not as old as you are, so don't look down your nose at me. Um, uh, that was confusing. But um, I, 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 I find myself confessing to the Lord that I, I want to share the word of God that he has, uh, you, he, has, he has set a fire in my heart. Um, but I find myself saying a lot, I, I don't know how to do it, Lord. I don't know how to do it. And now, when I first started preaching, um, I, interestingly, I, I didn't really feel that way. I, 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 I felt like if I could do it like my favorite preacher, then that would be good enough. Do you see? You see how that works? Um, and so my, I wasn't really, I didn't have that same sense of I don't know how to do it. I had the sense that I can't do it the way I want to do it, which I, I still feel that occasionally. Um, but uh, now I, I often am finding myself, at, I, I, don't know, I don't know how to share this. I don't know how to teach it. And one of the reasons why that is, uh, that I just, and since we're being full disclosure here, um, is a lot of times us preachers, we formulize uh, a thing of truth. Uh, and we will create, so you take a, a spiritual theme, okay, and your theme is, it can be, you just pick a theme, uh, get yourself a good churchy theme, and then what we do is we have three points, two illustrations, maybe a joke to break the crowd, and uh, go forth thou art healed. Do you see? Uh, we kind of turn a theme into a handful of points um, that in many ways are a type of theological calculus. Like, for example, say I'm going to preach on hope. And so I'll go in the Bible and I'll find scriptures on hope and I'll come up with point number one, quit fighting with your wife. Point number two, quit shooting at your kids with the BB gun. Point number three, you need more sugar because that is a type of happiness that can come in bite sizes. And number four, get in this altar and repent for acting like a fool. You see, I've turned this whole theme of hope into kind of four steps, and then I give you, you know, I, I give you scriptures, and the longer I teach and preach, the more scriptures I tend to put in my messages, and uh, you understand what I'm saying, and, and after it's over, we kind of stand, and we 
Oftentimes, I, I, well, let me just tell you a personal testimony. So last night, I'm in my little prayer closet, and um, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, and um, I, I'm telling the Lord, I don't know how to do this. I'm telling the Lord, I don't know how to produce change in anybody's life, and I need his help. I need him to show up. You ever feel like that in your life? I think that's a good place for us all to build three tabernacles. I need God. Lord, I need you in my life. I don't know how to do anything without you, oh God. I don't know how to build a church. I don't know how to build people. I don't know how to heal the sick. I don't know how to feed the poor. But God, you are able to do great and mighty things above that which any of us could even imagine. So come by here, Lord Jesus. Pour out the Holy Ghost right here, Lord Jesus. Lead us to miracle signs and wonders right here, Lord Jesus. And can some church folks say amen? And so in the midst of that, I, I, I thought how... Uh, I knew I was preaching from this passage uh, good, uh, from, you know, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what does that mean and what can we learn? And this is all just my process. I, I, after I think I have something I want to say, then I go, you know, I'll pray some more and confess all the things I don't know. And uh, This realization came to me. It's almost like the Spirit made me to know that um, Jesus did not give three points, two illustrations, and go forth, thou art healed. <laughs> That's not how Jesus talked. Now, here's what's even interesting more than that is I would imagine that if you had gone to the synagogues, that would have sounded more like the Sadducees, the Pharisees, uh, the various priesthood. That would have sounded more like them, where you take an idea and you turn it into a type of theological calculus. Do this, do this, do this. Behold, thou art healed. Uh, when you read Jesus is teaching, uh, there's this realization, he gives you not a formula, he gives you a way. I don't, want, I don't want to rush past that because what I just said will take me years to figure out. It'll take me to reapply, reapply, reapply. God does not give you a theological calculus. Well, this, this, and this, he gives you a way, and then he bids you to walk in this way. And you know what Christianity feels like? The daily effort to walk in this way. Um, so uh, let me, uh, let me, so we all, we all talk about passages where Jesus is challenging the crowd. And one of our favorite uh, scriptures to quote where Jesus is teaching, and this isn't in your notes if you're kind of scrolling through trying to find them. This is just me free associating up here, using you as my personal spiritual Rorschach blot. Um, so here we go. Uh, the, the, uh, Jesus says um, too famously, and we quote it one to another, you know, straight is the way and narrow is the gate. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about in the scripture? Straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to salvation. And what? Few, 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 few. Somebody say few. few. To, to smile at your neighbor. Say, I'm worried about you. Okay. A few, few there be that. What? What? Speak. Talk back to me. What? Find it. Come on. I need you to talk back to me. Few there be that. Jesus did not say this to sinners. He said it to religious people. Nobody in that crowd who's leaving the city to come listen to Jesus is talking about where they were this past Friday night. They're all kind of religious-y. They all know how to, you know, pat their foot on the one and clap on the two. If you don't know how to do that, you need Jesus. They know the, 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 the words to the songs. They are churchified. They know how to eat fried chicken on Sunday afternoon when the altar call's done. They're churchified. They know when to say amen and when they're drawing attention to themselves. They know when it's worship and they know when it's getting a little weird. They're churchified. I just want to say y'all are some good-looking churchified people in here today. We have a few kind of unchurchified people here. I'm so glad you're here. My wife, I didn't want my wife to feel like she was all by herself. And, <laughs> uh, Jesus doesn't say this to the people who are out 
you know, dropping it like it was hot the night before. Forgive my 90s reference, okay? I'm old. I can't help myself. I don't know the cool kids' music now. He's talking to churchified people, the kind of people who go to special events and sit on the front row and take notes. And Jesus says to that crowd, straight is the way and narrow is the gate and few there be that find it. He's going to say, so, so let me explain this. He's not saying there is, not to this crowd, he's not saying you guys need to quit running around with cigarettes, whiskey, and wild, wild women. That's not what he's saying here. He's inviting you to a way of living, a way of being, choosing the kingdom of God, leaving comfort zones, and choosing the kingdom of God. This is the same thing that is shown in the life of the patriarchs, where the Spirit of the Lord speaks to Abram, not yet Abraham, but Abram, and asks him to leave his homeland, everything that you're comfortable with. If you stay here, you're going to do it like you've always done it. I want you to choose a different way. You're not worshiping the moon goddess like your father, which actually is historically true. You are now going to follow the voice of the Spirit of God that can speak to you. Do you see? Do you see? God is inviting us to a way of being, not a spiritual calculation of solving. I want to say that again because I'm, I'm giving you a lot to think about. He's not giving you religious calculus to fix all your problems. He's giving you a way of journeying. So let's talk about some uh, stuff we can all relate to. Um, fear is the kind of thing that doesn't stop bothering you just because you started coming to church. Can I have an amen from this section over here? I feel like I, feel like I need some agreement over here. Um, uh, I, I want to say this. Um, I, uh, some of the most spiritual people that I know will wake up and have to pray through their fear. Uh, wouldn't it be great if you could just, you know, sign the church card and your fear is gone? We have this complicated, mysterious relationship with fear. And here's one of the interesting things about how Jesus taught. Jesus did not remove mystery from the teaching of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't give you three points of explanation where you apply your theological algorithm and voila, spelled with a V, it is now corrected and fixed. Do you see? That's not what he does. He is able to teach you of the kingdom of God in a way that in some way it's hard to describe, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, my brain is exploding the last few weeks trying to understand this. He leaves the mystery in it. Now, uh, if he would have taught like the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, 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 the rabbis of his time, he would have explained the law. How did they teach? What they did is they took principles and turned them into rules, and they meant well. They meant well. There's only a handful of principles about the Sabbath, and so what did the rabbis do? They turned it into 613 specific rules. They meant well. They were not trying to do something wrong. They had taken the mystery of principles and they turned it into 613 rules. Now, just in case you wondered if I nerded out on that, yes, I have. I printed out, all, you can get this on the internet if you want to spend the time doing very interesting stuff like this. Uh, you can print out all 613 rules that they made of the principles of the Sabbath, which were just a handful, don't work stay home, don't cook food, don't start a fire. Out of that, they got 613 rules. They meant well. I printed out all 613. I read them all. And here's what I want to tell you. All of them are good. All of them mean well. What they're trying to do is cover every potential possibility of offense. You can't find one and say, well, that's just them going beyond the pale. They were trying to do something good with all these additional 613 explanations of the four principles. But then Jesus kind of kind of rebukes him for that and said, look, you guys have put yourself in the seat of Moses and you have figured that Moses didn't know how to say it, so you were going to help Moses. Wow. Yeah. Jesus ignores how they teach 
And he goes back to the mystery of the principle and read the words of Jesus. It is very much an invitation to consider who you want to be, the kind of life you want to live, and the way you want to walk in. It's not formulaic. It is this invitation. It sounds like this. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? It's not a list of 14 things allowed on the Sabbath. It's what does it, he's inviting you to a way. And if you don't see that, the result of that will be this. You are churchy, but you don't understand why you still struggle with fear. So, all right, now we're switching gears to fear, and uh, maybe maybe I can uh, make sense of this. If not, you can just go to dinner and say, yet another Sunday, Pastor Nate did his best, and I remain confused. Um, so, um, apologies in advance. Fear is a complicated, complicated spiritual and literal and emotional concept. Let me give you some examples. I could preach a two-hour, well, that's a bit long for my voice. I could preach an hour message on the fear of the Lord, and you guys would say amen for the first 30 minutes. And then it would start telling off, and pretty soon it would only be the second row right here that was saying amen to me. All the rest of them had, would have left me and backslidden, but I would still have uh, some, some, some support in the house. You see what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> I, I could then, having uh, tested your patience, I preach an hour on the fear of the Lord. You say, amen, it's good to fear, it's good to fear, it's good to fear. Then I could preach another hour on perfect love casts out fear, and you'd still be saying amen, because you're churchy, and you've learned not to ask. You've learned not to ask, well, when is fear good and when is fear bad? Let me tell you this. I cannot give you a calculus of fear. I can invite you to see the mystery in the way that God has invited you towards. So let me, having introduced it in that way, let me uh, say this. Um, uh, Fear is a a direct result of uncertainty in my life. I don't know what tomorrow holds, so I feel fear. And can some churchy folks say amen? Thank you in advance. Uh, (laughs) I have arena of uncertainty, and it's uncertainty that is the soil out of which fear grows. Why do we not fear so, feel so much fear about yesterday? Because we know how the story ended yesterday. The truck almost hit me, but it missed by three inches. You don't feel any fear. What do you feel? You feel thanksgiving. Can I get a better amen than that? I'm thankful. As a result, you have no problem seeing God's goodness in your past. That's good. That's right. So you have no fear about the snake that didn't bite you. One of my friends got bit uh, this past week, and he was telling me about how hallucinogenic the pain was and everything. He's still sick from it. He got a big old copperhead bite on his foot. And uh, I was working out in the woods the uh, last two days, and everywhere I stepped, there was an imaginary snake right there. I, sound, I, I was like my grandmother. I rebuked every snake in the woods. <laughs> and so... Uh, We're not afraid of the snake that didn't bite us because we know the end of the story. But I want you to see in the present, it starts getting harder and the majority of our fear grows in our future. Why? We don't know the end of the story. And out of uncertainty grows fear. I don't know if I'm going to lose my job. Somebody say fear. I don't know if that test is going to come back negative fear. I don't know how my kids are going to turn out. Maybe they're going to be as crazy as my in-laws. Fear. It's not in the past I see God's goodness. In the past I see God's generosity. 
At the last moment, the car swerved and I was made to be safe. At the last moment, the the cancer in my body took the last, as it were, dip of that chemotherapy and disappeared forever and the scans came back clean. And in the past, I lived in fear for five years until that five-year scan came and my oncologist sat down with me and said, you are statistically cured. And I said, my God, my God. In the past, oh, I want to preach to you a little while. I need you to open your spirit to this right now. In the past, I have no problem seeing the goodness of God. I have no problem seeing God's graciousness. I have no problem seeing God's mercy. I came to that altar. My life was a mess. I was afraid. I was fearful. And God met me in that altar. He washed my sins away. I went down in the name of Jesus. And I came out sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. Because I know the end of the matter, it's easy for me to see God's goodness in the past. It's easy for me to see God's grace in the past. And it's easy for me to be gracious about what God has done for me in the past. But in the future, in the realm of uncertainty, that is the soil. Uncertainty. Somebody say uncertainty. In uncertainty, fear grows. All right. So now I'm about to to mess with you a little bit. In the same manner that you don't need faith for your past, or you don't, need, you don't have fear for your past, you don't need faith for your past. Why? You know how it worked out. Here you are, all on the east side, finally got a piece of the pie. You didn't know what was going to happen, but look at you. You're so fancy, your shoes cost more than your mom and dad used to make in a week. You know who you are. Just let that be a word to you. Look how good it worked out. You don't need to have faith in the past. You know the end of the matter. So this is what I want to say to you, and I hope this hits you like a train right now. The same soil that grows fear in your life can also grow faith. In the same manner that uncertainty becomes the soil in which fear grows, if you have faith, it's going to grow in the same soil of uncertainty. You don't need to have faith about something you know the end of the matter of. It's just time to have a praise session and give God glory because you know how it ended. It is in the soil of uncertainty that you have the option to live in fear or you have the option to live in faith. And just like a farmer has to process the soil that is already choked with weeds, in the same manner, what you have to do is you have to, and nowadays they use herbicides, but for most of human history, they burnt the ground to kill all of that which was taking the soil. Then they broke the ground up. And having removed the weeds that were already taking the soil with fire, and having broken the ground up with the plow, they then intentionally, by the act of their will, not an accident, they take what they want to grow and they plant it in the seed. What is the soil we plant in? Somebody say it with me. Uncertainty. Uncertainty. I don't know what the doctor is going to say. It's not just the opportunity for fear. It's also an opportunity of faith. This, my brother, my sister, is the spiritual way you have been called to walk in. Take care of this for me, my brother. This is the way of being that God is inviting. He's not giving you some type of theological calculus that step one, step two, step three, push the button, get your prize. He is saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. If you feel fear, you need to automatically have a light go off on the dashboard of your faith in God, (laughs) your your religion, shall we say. This is an opportunity. I can either grow fear here or I can grow faith here. I don't need to grow. I don't have any problem growing fear in the past. Why? I know how it ended. I don't need faith and I don't have fear for yesterday. But let me tell you what I have. I have an opportunity to walk a straight and narrow way a way of being that I intentionally remove fear. I intentionally burn off that which chokes my faith and I intentionally plant seeds. God is able to do great and mighty things. God is able to make a way. So I want to give you three reasons why you are 
If you want to walk in this way, if you want to be a person of faith, if you want to manifest the kingdom of God in your life, and I pray you do, Lord, all of us want to manifest the kingdom of God in our life. It's not enough for us to go through a routine of religion, Lord Jesus. We want to manifest your heart to a broken world. We want to be the one sent ahead of Jesus to the town in which you're going to come, and we want to say Jesus is coming by here. He can heal you. He can forgive you. He can make all things new. Lord Jesus, we want to deliver the hope of the gospel. The first reason I want to invite you to have a no fear future. Remember, the future is where our fear grows, not in the past. We know how the past worked out. It grows in our future. Uh, The first reason why I would have you Choose a way of being where you take the same opportunity for fear and you turn it to faith. I would like to invite you to do this because, first of all, uh, God is in his nature and essence. He is the very personification of good. God is good. God is good. Smile at your neighbor. Say, God is good. Here's what I want to say. I don't know what's going to happen in your future, but God's going to be good in your future. Does that make sense? It's easy for us to celebrate God's goodness in the past. Whatever you face next week is going to be held in the hands of a good God. He's not going to stop being good if you lose your job. Oh, I wish someone would hear that. I wish someone would hear that. He's not going to stop being good if you have to go back to school. This is something we face in life. We have to go back to school. We have to reorient. Career paths change. But if you have to do that, none of us want to do it. But if you have to do it, God's going to be good while you go back to school. God's going to be good while you start another business. God's going to be good while you get yourself organized and sort your future out. I want to invite you to plant the seeds of faith in the uncertain soil of your future. Why? Because God is good. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Psalms 145 and 20, the Lord watches over all who love him. Psalms 91 and 11, God orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. Romans 8, 28, we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. Can you believe the scripture? Can you believe the scripture? Yes, you can be afraid, but you also can burn the soil off that ground. You can break up the hardness of your fears, and you can plant this seed in the same soil your fear grew in. Whatever I face, God's still going to be good. If the doctor has a negative report, God's still going to be good. If I go through ups and downs financially, God's still going to be good. He is my hope. And can we see how God is inviting us to not a formula, but to a way? And he's inviting us to walk in this way. How do I change the soil of fear I've been living in? It is through the power of your word that you speak, that you begin to change the soil that you are living in. The spirit of God is like a fire, and it will burn away that fear. And the word of God is like a plow, and it will break up that hard ground of your heart. And the promises of God are like a seed of faith planted in the broken soil of your spirit. It's not a formula that we have. We can avoid mystery. The mystery stays in it. But can you walk in this way? Can you stay and stand with Abraham and say, uh, yes, I think I can turn away from what I'm familiar with. Yes, I think I can turn away from my solutions. I, I think I could follow after the voice that calls me, woos me, challenges me, and whispers everywhere you place your feet, I will give it to you. Second reason why I'd like to see you uh, plant seeds of faith in the same soil you've been growing fear in. The uh, first reason was because God is good. And the second reason um, is similar but a little different, and that is this because of grace. 
manifested by God in our life. So let me explain uh, the distinction here. It's easy to say, yes, God is good. <laughs> and it's easy to say, yes, God has all the answers. And God has a cattle on a thousand hills. It's, it's, it's God. It's, you know, of course, yeah, I get that. But in the meantime, um, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Um, and you are correct. We are not enough. But this is why I wish that you could plant faith in the uncertainty of what tomorrow holds. The same God who brought you this far and forgave you for all the mistakes you've made, word for the day, heretofore. heretofore. Some of you guys need to rebuke your children this week and say, heretofore, I have allowed this. But from this day before forward, behold, verily, thou shan't be allowed. You should try that this, this week. I don't know if it'll work, but I'm totally pulling it out. The same God who forgave you the first time you came to an altar. You see, it's not that I don't believe God's good. It's that I don't trust me. <laughs> and uh, I know God's enough, but I don't feel like I'm enough. Well, let me answer that question. No, you're not. You're not enough. Grace is this in your life. The issue isn't, are you good enough to be saved? The issue is, was Jesus good enough to be saved? Whenever you ask yourself, am I good enough to be saved, you have misunderstood the gospel. There is no good enough for us to be saved. There is only covered, covered, covered by the blood, walking by faith, living in love. I am covered, covered, covered by the blood, Jesus. Oh, I am covered, covered, covered by the blood, walking by faith, living in love, covered. Say it. You should get over fear because the same God who brought you this for is still going to be gracious in the rest of your journey. You're probably going to fail again. He's still going to be gracious. Let's make a change. And instead of growing fear in the soil of uncertainty, let's make a decision to live differently. We are invited to a way to walk in it. Let's grow faith. And so let me, real quick, let me give you some scriptures and I'm almost done. Surely... What was the second word used? Mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Isaiah 60 and 10, I will have mercy on you through my grace. Psalms 103, 2 through 13. This is a long passage, but it re-preaches what I am preaching here and does a better job than I could ever do. I will... Not forget the glorious things God does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. He surrounds me with loving kindness. He fills my life with good things. Uh, he is merciful and tender toward those who don't deserve it. He is slow to get angry. He never bears a grudge. Uh, he has not punished us as we deserve for all, all for all our sins for his mercy is as great as the height of heavens he is like a father to us tender and sympathetic to those who reverence him and one more scripture, Hebrews 4, verse 16. We can come before God's throne where we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. In the same soil you've been growing fear, you need to recognize it's a crop that you're growing with because you're not fighting for faith. I want to, real quick, I mentioned this the first service, and it's not in my notes, but I wanted to remember it. Um, you know, serving God in faith, is, it's not superstition. It's, it's, uh, faith is not superstition. Um, a lot of people live in superstition, and what they're really doing is pattern matching and then induce, in, in introducing mystery. Every time I wear my red socks, I am, someone buys my lunch. You see what they did? They are pattern matching, and then they introduce cause and effect. That is superstition. This is what the Bible calls idolatry. That is not what we do on faith. 
We don't pattern match. God, if you bless me this week, then I'll give an offering to the church. You've missed the heart of God. You've misunderstood the heart of God. We don't give so he will give. We give because he gave. Do you see? We're not being superstitious. You see, you get superstition for free. That's a weed growing in your life. I bought a lottery ticket because I heard my favorite song this morning. And every time I hear that song, I buy a lottery ticket because then I know what you're doing is being superstitious. You're pattern matching. God is not inviting you to pattern match. That's idolatry. What God is saying is this. Since there's no higher than me, I swore by myself. And I said, I will bless whom I will bless. I said, I will keep you in a sea of troubles. I said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're not pattern matching. You're building upon the word of God. And so now you say, he said it. That settles it. I believe it. He said it. That settles it. I believe it. This is what it means to be a spiritual person, to stand upon the promises of God. Abraham, can you follow my voice? There's a lot you don't know, Abraham, but can you follow my voice? And Abraham said, yes, I can. All of us sons and daughters of Abraham are called to do the same thing. We should trust that in a future of uncertainty, God is still going to be God. His word is still going to be established. And instead of growing fear, we grow faith. And thus, out of faith, the spiritual life is lived before others and our life becomes a testimony. Number three, musicians come. I'm almost done. Uh, The third reason why I would challenge you all to grow faith in the same soil you've you find it easy to grow fear in. I say it that way because I am preaching to myself primarily today. I'm just trying to help you guys by accident. You see, uh, primarily I'm preaching to myself because uh, I can, uh, I don't know if I got this from my mom or my dad, but somebody's to blame and it's not me. That's all I have to say. I can worry. I can worry. I I can wake up at four in the morning and I have a list of worries. And if there's nothing to worry about, I will dream something up. So I'm preaching to me and hoping you get a little splash over on the effect. Okay, that fear is telling me I have land to farm. How many of you have fear in your life? Don't, don't, don't act righteous now. Don't act righteous. It's time to act like the sinner you are. Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you got fear in your life? Okay. This is like God saying, I'm giving you 40 acres. What are you going to grow? Nobody's saying amen. That's some fine preaching. I can't do any better than that. That's as good as it gets right there. Fear in your life is telling you you've got land because the same place you're growing fear, you could be growing faith. What is that soil? It's uncertainty. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know if my health is going to be good this time next year. I don't know if my kids are going to turn out good or like the in-laws. I have no idea. I can grow fear or I can grow faith. How many of you guys will admit today that you have lots of land you could be farming? Go ahead, go ahead. You have lots of land you could be farming. What are you going to grow? I want to give you three reasons. I've already given you two. I want to give you one more why you should be growing faith. Number one, God's good. You should grow some faith on this farm that God has given you. Number two, grace is real. Grace is real. Grace is real. Yeah, you're going to make more mistakes. Grace is going to be there for you. Grace is not just for sinners. Grace is for church people too. And let me remind you, lest you get too fancy in your Sunday clothes, church people need grace just as much as sinners do. God forbid we get this culture where we start judging who needs the grace of God. You see some sinner, you say, no, they need God's grace. As if we, all fancified, don't need grace so much. No, that's, a, that's vanity. That's what that is, is vanity. Everybody needs the grace of God in their life. The third reason that I think you should take all of the fear you've been farming and convert the crop to faith, the third reason is this. Are you ready for this? God's glory is going to be revealed in the people who grow faith. Nobody's saying amen because I'm messing with your heads, but I'm telling you right now, I can't preach any better than that. I can't get any more brass tacks than that right now. God's glory 
is going to be revealed in the people who took their uncertainty and put a crop of faith in. Because here's the reality. As your faith is, so be it unto thee. Lord, I don't know why you didn't do that. He looked at my field and there was nothing but fear in it. There was no faith. There's this invitation that Jesus makes to religious people. And he says, look, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of I'm not, I'm not giving you three points, two illustrations, uh, two quotes, a joke, and then go home. Now, you know, that's the end of that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm inviting you to a way, a way of living where I say this is uncertain. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm going to grow faith right here because I know this. You're good. I know you're good. Grace is real, and it's for me. And you want to manifest your glory in people who will turn uncertainty into faith. Let me say it this way. However much you think you're looking for God to do, God is looking for people through whom he can do things through. God wants to manifest his glory. So what are you growing in your uncertainty? God wants to do great and mighty things to show his heart to a world that is in need. How are you? All right, I'm repeating myself. The psalmist says it this way, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not building my house. I'm either a part of his house or there is no house. <laughs> I will dwell in his house forever. Lord, if you make this a good thing, it's going to be for your glory. If I struggle, uh, it's going to be a missed opportunity. Do you see what I'm saying? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me give you some scriptures as we're almost done here. Romans 9, 23. God wanted to reveal his abundant glory. Somebody say abundant glory. What did God want to do with abundant glory? He wants to reveal abundant glory. Tap your neighbor. Say, God wants to reveal glory in your life. God wants to reveal abundant glory, which was poured out on us who are objects of his mercy. I want you to tell your neighbor one more thing. It's okay you're not perfect. You're an object of mercy. You're an object of mercy. God still wants to show glory through you. This is not permission to sin. This is a permission to serve God in love and not in fear. We still repent. Can I have a big amen? We still strive to do right. We still correct ourselves. We receive good chastening. But the motivation has changed. God wants to reveal his glory. You are an object of mercy. He has prepared in advance to receive his glory. God has prepared you an object of mercy to reveal something he wants to reveal in you and he already made plans to do it. God wants to reveal glory in you. This is why you should take the uncertainty in your life and you should say, Lord, I'm going to have faith that you reveal your glory. It might be a testimony of how I come through. It might be a testimony of instantaneous deliverance. It might be a testimony of gradual or instantaneous healing. Lord, I am so honored to be included. You just take anything in my life and manifest your glory through it. There is no higher honor. Church, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the way. Walk ye in it. There is no higher honor than God taking everything in my uncertain future and using it to give glory to his name and to build his house. I have no higher calling. I have no greater opportunity than to be used by God for his kingdom. When God chose you and he died for you, it was for a purpose that was in his mind. God wants to reveal his glory in your life. It will be the heart of God manifest through Jesus Christ in your life. It will be glory not by the estimation of the flesh. It might be glory in a way you could never imagine, but it will be glory because God wrapped all his character in his son, Jesus Christ. God became flesh and dwelt among us. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2 and 9, Hebrews 1 and 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. 
God wants to reveal his glory through you, transformed by the work of Jesus Christ. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. We all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of God, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. All right. If you really changed the crop, you're growing in the soil of uncertainty tomorrow. You're not afraid about yesterday. You know how it ended, do you see? You, you, you know how it worked out. You did not get hit by the Mack truck. It missed you. Now you're thankful about the past and fearful about the future. You're thankful about the past. This is how church folks live. We're grateful and fearful. Oh, Lord, if you'd make a way, if you could do <laughs> Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. He's you, on time, God. Yes, he is. Oh, Lord, please. I don't want to lose my job. I don't... Man, I am, I am coming down your road today. Actually, I'm preaching to myself and helping you guys by accident. That's what's happening. Why do we not need... Why do we not have any problem seeing God's goodness in the past? Because we know how it ended. There's no uncertainty. No faith is required. How come we have no problem seeing God's grace in the past? God forgave me of my sins. Oh, hallelujah. Now I'm saved. Sanctified. Wait, we, we were there when it happened. We think we ought to know. But going forward... In the same manner that all your fear opportunity lies in your future, all of your faith opportunity lies in your future. And if you want to be a spiritual person, you're going to have to stop growing fear, which is going to mean you're going to have to let the Spirit of God consume what has already taken the soil. And then you're going to have to, with the word of your mouth, you're going to have to plant the promises of God in the uncertainty of your future. And every time you feel a fear, it's as though you walk through a field of fear and admired the plants and realize you were never supposed to be growing fear. You were supposed to be planting faith in the soil of your uncertainty. No fear you needed for yesterday and no faith for yesterday. It's all about what comes next. And if you choose to be a spiritual person like Abraham, you're going to have to say, I believe God. Do you have evidence? Well, no. Do you see how it all ties together from Abraham all the way to the end of the book? Why would you call me the father of all nations when I can't even have a kid? It feels like an absurd trick. This is the faith walk. All your opportunity for faith is in your future. I, I believe, Abraham says, it's going to happen. His own wife is laughing at him. If you stay married long enough, your wife will laugh at you too. It's a thing. It's a thing. What's easy in the past? Let me tell you what's easy. Being grateful is easy. Being generous is easy. Why? You know it worked out okay. And seeing the graciousness of God, how he gave grace to you and helped you through your sins, all that's easy in the, in the past. But all of that requires faith in your future. To be grateful when you don't know whether or not the report is good or bad, that's what it means to be spiritual. Not superstitious, spiritual. To speak faith when you don't know if you're going to get accepted to the college. To be grateful when you don't know how the business plan is going to work. To believe you're going to make it through this trouble. To believe that you understand what I'm saying. Give thanks continually to the Lord for he is good because his mercy will never run out. That's a statement that is future looking. How about Hebrews 12 and 28? We have been given possession of an unshakable kingdom. Let us therefore be grateful and use our gratitude to worship God in a way that pleases him with reverence and awe. How about Matthew 10 and verse number 8? You have been treated generously. 
So live generously. Give freely as you have received. Psalms 112, verse number 5 through 9. Good will come to him who is generous. Such people lend freely and conduct their affairs honestly. They will never be shaken. They don't fear bad news. Look how they have faith in their future. They don't fear bad news because they trust the Lord to take care of them. They are confident and what? Fearless in facing their opposition because they give generously to those in need. They will have influence and honor. Three things that are easy looking back and are an act of faith going forward. To be grateful, to be generous, and to be gracious. What is graciousness? Graciousness is how you give grace. God's given you grace. You ought to give it to others. Ephesians 4, 32. Be gracious and merciful to everyone and forgive others just as God has forgiven you because of Christ. Do you see? A, f- a life lived for God's glory becomes a part of God's glory. Let me say it again. A life lived for God's glory becomes a part of God's glory. So my invitation to you is this. Acknowledge that your future is uncertain. I can't take the mystery out of it. And when I try to, it's interesting how people nod along, but their life isn't changed. I can't take the mystery out of it. All I can say is have faith in God. Have faith in God. The same ground you're growing fear in can be used to grow faith. The same worry that wakes you up at night that is growing fear could also be used to grow faith. Will you do so, my brother, my sister? It's not easy. It's a tough way to live. It's a straight and narrow way to live. To really live a life that gives glory to God is you growing faith where everyone else is growing fear. If you can do that, your life becomes a living testimony. Stand with me all across the house. I'm repeating myself because I'm so alive with this. I want to share it. I want you you to get it in your life. I want you to claim it. I want you to choose it. It is an act of your will. It is a decision of your heart. It is you deciding this is the way. Walk in it. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for every heart here today. Stir us, Lord. Stir us out of lethargy. Stir us out of spiritual laziness. Stir us out of a form of godliness that lets us go through a religious ritual but allows us not to do the real work of spiritual life. Awaken in us a passion for your kingdom, God. Help us see the greatest thing we can do is manifest your glory by in some way having faith where somebody else would normally have fear. Their life would not be a testimony because it would be normal for people to have fear when facing that. But your people, we have faith facing that. And so our life becomes a testimony of transformative faith through the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to I want to do this right now. How many of you, uh, heads bowed, eyes closed, how many of you uh, will admit that in spite of how long you have served God, you fight a daily, sometimes a weekly, sometimes daily battle with fear? Raise your hand all across the house. In spite of all that you've done, uh, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. I want to pray for you right now, and I, I'd like us to join our faith together. Um, maybe if, I'll tell you what, those of you who raised your hand, if you're... Uh, if you will, why don't you step out of where you are, step out into an aisle, or maybe come down to the front, uh, whatever, whatever's comfortable. We don't have to, but if you would, I, I want to pray for you. I want the team to pray for you. I want to speak the confidence of God over the needs in your life. So right now, this, this, this front is open if anyone wants to come down here. If you're facing a health dilemma in your life, we... You don't have to wonder about what's the right thing to do. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to wonder. The Bible tells you what to do. And that is you go to the house of God and you call the elders of the church and you ask them to anoint you with oil. So is is there any sick among us? Uh, We have biblical direction on how to handle that. Uh, If you want to come, I'm I'm not going to embarrass anybody or force you to come. But if you want to, uh, that is our biblical directive. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. This has been one of those messages where I feel like I'm I'm plowing a little bit. And 
I'm, I'm, I'm challenging something within you if to really make the change of fear versus faith and turning away from fear and choosing faith. Those of you who will, if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to find someone to pray with, I, I want to invite you to step out and come down and maybe find someone, put a hand on their shoulder. Uh, if you want to stay where you are, that's fine. Maybe there's someone near you you can pray with. We're going to linger in the presence of the Lord here today. I'm going to move among all these people. I'm going to anoint them with oil. I'm going to be praying for them. Some of our strong believers and intercessors, I want you to help me do that right now. Our worship team is going to lead us deeper in worship. Don't rush away from the service. If you need to go, that's fine. God bless you. Uh, remember, first steps. Those of you who haven't been, it's less than one of first steps. I want to, I want to get to know you. But right now, let's Let's not rush away. Let's linger for a little while in the presence of the Lord. All across the house, would you turn your hearts heavenward right now, Lord Jesus. Speak into our life by your mighty power. Speak into our life by your mighty power, oh God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.